Keeping up with the news, we ask every time we see Jeremy and Ali, we're like, wow, how did it go? What's going on? To see new members come up, Lewis and Ken and your families, it's been incredible. So good to be here. You know, I'm not, I'm not a trained preacher. I am a pastor, but I'm a pastor of outreach. So just so you know where I come from, basically my desire is to see the whole world come to Christ. Why not, huh? You know, we have the Word of God. That's what people need. We have the Spirit of God. We have the Gospel of God. We have the cross of Christ. What's holding us back? A lot of times it's our own fears. We're afraid. Something I can relate to. And uh, I'm going to follow along pretty close to the notes there in your bulletin if you want to know where I'm going. But I, uh, when I was in college, I stopped sharing Christ with strangers. I would share Christ with Friends, relatives, people at church, my Bible study group, my kids, my wife, my family. But strangers, no. What I learned was it could be embarrassing to share Christ with strangers. You know what I'm talking about? So I stopped doing it until, and here's a story I want to tell you. In 1995, I found myself on a plane to Russia, of all places. Now, I grew up during the Cold War. That means I remember the Cuban Missile Crisis. You all have read about that, right? Anybody actually remember the Cuban Missile Crisis? When Russia and the United States were like at odds, the Soviet Union and the United States, they were threatening to blow up the world with nuclear weapons. I remember that. I grew up in fear of the Soviet Union and the Russians. And now in 1995, I found myself on a plane over there. And you know why we were going over there? To share Jesus Christ with them. And I thought, what am I doing? We landed in Russia. We were driving out in the country on a bus. I knew something was really weird when I saw old gray-haired women on the road crew patching asphalt. I'm like, wow, this is, this is different. But my life changed. One day, we were walking around, met an old lady. Her name was Zena. She lived by herself in a ramshackle old house. Her feet were twisted and stained with the labor of working in that country. Her teeth were totally rotten. Her health was frail. And we sat there and we asked her, have you, have you ever heard of Jesus Christ? She said, oh, oh yeah, I've heard of Him. I said, do you know what He did? She's like, well, no, not really. I said, have you heard that He died on the cross, anything like that? She said, well, no, not really. Can you imagine? Someone not even knowing? Have you ever heard of Easter? Well, I've heard of it. Do you know what that represents? No, I don't. She'd never heard about the resurrection. This lady was about 65 years old. Grew up in this country, this atheistic country. Didn't know. We asked if we could share. She said, yeah. You know, she devoured God's Word as we opened our Bibles and showed her Jesus came to take your sin on on Himself. And we talked with her for about an hour. 
At the end, we asked her if she'd like to receive Christ, receive the gift of eternal life, and know that she could live in heaven forever. We asked her if she'd like to receive that. You know what she said? This astonished me. She's like, of course. What? <laughs> Why does that astonish us? I mean, that's the way we feel, right? I get all my sins taken. I get the gift of eternal life. I get to go and live with, in heaven forever with God. Of course I want that. Wouldn't you want that? She's like, of course. So, the, the Russian guy I was with, the, the translator, as they're praying in Russian, I couldn't understand a word. Their heads are bowed. And I'm, I open my eyes. Is that a sin? <laughs> I open my eyes and I could see her twisted feet. I still remember the, the stain, the deep stain on her feet. As she's praying, and I know a spiritual transaction is happening right there. And I'm just kind of thinking how weird this is. A totally ruined government. A devastated economy. A body that is frail and twisted. I seriously thought she was going to die like within the next year, the way she looked. No friends or family that I could see And yet, in that moment, I was witnessing her becoming a child of God. Born again. Born anew to a life that has no end. And I'm like, wow. And I thought to myself, Jim, your cowardice doesn't wash anymore. No more. Yeah, I'm a coward. I'm still a coward. I don't like pain. I don't like embarrassment. But you know what? That doesn't wash anymore. From now on, here's what. From now on, we know this gospel has got to be proclaimed. We've got to spread this news. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Yeah, let it loose. So you can see in there your notes. And I'm going to cover these three points. These are intensely personal for me. I know these are each real. And you can see them there. Number one, spiritual blindness is a gigantic problem. There is no problem like this problem. Spiritual blindness. And number two, that spiritual blindness has a cure. We know what it is. We know what it is from God's Word. I know what it is. I'm going to share some more stories as we go along. So there's this huge problem. We have this wonderful cure. And we, all of us, have a part to play in solving this. And the takeaway, you can see at the top in in that little box there. Actually, it's not in the box. It's up at the top in those two lines. Spiritual blindness is the most significant problem facing humanity. And the astonishing truth is that you and I have a part to play in that cure. Okay, is spiritual blindness a problem? Do we have some scriptures we can shine up there? It is a problem. I'm going to give you two examples to show you what a big problem it is. The first one is Jesus is from Jesus' disciples. And then the second one is from our world. We've got a little video clip. 
So, uh, before we, I read this, I memorized a, a parable that Jesus told. A whole parable! I memorized it. Here it is. It's one sentence. Jesus said, Hey, it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. That's the whole parable right there. And after Jesus told it, His disciples didn't get it. So the cowards, they, they talked Peter into asking Jesus what, is, what it meant. And here's what, here's what happened. Peter went up to Jesus and he said, uh, explain this parable to us. And Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Peter didn't get it. Let me say the parable again. It's not what... This is what Jesus said. It's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you, that pollutes you, that makes you dirty, unclean. It's not that. It's what comes out of your mouth. And you can almost just hear their minds grinding through. How does what comes out defile me? I mean, like, if I drank poison, wouldn't that pollute me? How does that come out? I mean, that would defile others, right? I spew on them. But how does that... Defile me. Jesus said, Do you not see, Peter, that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated, is expelled? Next one. But Jesus says, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. Ah, what comes out of your mouth actually comes from your heart, Jesus said. It's out of the heart that come evil thoughts and murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witnesses, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Now, Peter didn't get the spiritual truth. Here's the spiritual truth that Jesus related. The heart is a fountain of spiritual filth. All those problems you see in the world, theft, adultery, violence, the source is right here. Pretty simple, huh? Do you believe that? That's what Jesus said. Now, I am astonished that our world is totally blind. It's still totally blind to this. You know what I mean. What do people talk about in the dialogue of this world? Is it not things like this? Oh, if we just had a better form of government, we've got to throw away the new. We've got to demonstrate in the streets. We have to have a revolution. We've got to change our government. If only we could have a better government. Spiritually speaking, is that what we really need? I like good government. Good government's a blessing. But does that really solve the problem? Or how about this one? It's the economy, stupid. Ever heard that one? Is it really? Is it really the economy, stupid? Tell me this. Have you ever seen a rich person that hated God? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Bible says 
it's not the economy. That is not the big problem. What is the big problem? It's the human heart, isn't it? How is the government going to change the economy? I mean, sorry. How is the government going to change your heart? How is the economy going to change your heart? Is it going to? No, it's not. This is an astounding spiritual reality that our world is blind to. It doesn't get. But listen, you get it. Right? You get it. Spiritual reality here. The human heart is the problem. That is the fountain of the filth that totally is polluting our world and your soul. If we want any progress, we've got to start right there. What an amazing thing. That really helps you focus on the real problem. Okay, so spiritual blindness is a gigantic problem. That's only one. Hey, you've got to keep coming back here because Jeremy, Pastor Jeremy is going to open God's Word and share with you one spiritual truth after another. Refreshing, magnificent, practical spiritual truth. And that's why we've got to keep coming to church. Where do you get it? This Anywhere else. You don't. Okay, now I have another illustration. But before we show this video clip, I'm going to show you what the Bible says about heaven. Is heaven a real place? What do you think? Real place. It is. Look at what the Bible says about heaven. This one is from the book of Revelation. Now notice, you can't mistake the clarity of what the Bible says. John is writing, he says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, whoa, the throne. Who could it be that's talking here? Someone on the throne. Now, that's a hint. This is God speaking. And what He's going to tell you is the absolute truth. Here's what God says. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. This is future. This is what's going to happen. This is the reality of heaven. He goes on. He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God. So just as we're here right together in this room, that's the way we're going to be like in heaven. Only God is there. Right there. With us in heaven. Now notice this. In heaven... He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be what? No more. Can you imagine that? This is spiritual reality. In heaven, death is eliminated. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. All this junk we see, the pain, the agony, the tears, the separation, the death, the suffering is going away. It's going bye-bye. Now, how's that for a spiritual reality? And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Is there any doubt that heaven is reality? When God says it's trustworthy and true, guess what? It is absolutely trustworthy. You can put it in the bank. Heaven is real. John 14, 1-3, look what Jesus said. Jesus said to His disciples, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. 
In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to Myself, that where I am, you may be also. Is there any doubt that Jesus is going to come and get His people and take them to heaven? Is there any doubt at all? No. No doubt. How do you get to heaven? Jesus takes His people there. Alright, but what does our world believe? What does our world believe? I just want to show you a short clip. Here's what our world believes about heaven. Isn't that amazing? You bumped into any people like that? I have. Okay. Here's the deal. There's almost 7 billion people on the planet. And there is incredible spiritual blindness. Complete cluelessness. Are you with me? You see the problem? See the magnitude of that problem? I did the math. About 50 Three million a year are dying without Christ. Fifty-three million. Some mathematicians have estimated that about half the people who have ever lived are alive right now. Because of the population explosion that we've seen, the population charts go like this. It's it's amazing. People are lost. They don't know the truth. This spiritual blindness issue where people are just totally clueless is absolutely gigantic. It's overwhelming. But let's tell ourselves the truth. The blindness has a cure, doesn't it? Do you remember when you were cured of your spiritual blindness? You remember how that happened? The Bible gives us an answer. And uh, Pastor Jeremy, I know, has shared, but I want to make it explicitly clear that the answer is delivered by God. It's not us that delivers it. And it's a cross-centered answer. Notice what God says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. What is the cure for spiritual blindness? God says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. Every one? Seriously? Every single person? Yeah. Every one. But what did God do? He laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, who was that he laid it on? The New Testament makes it clear. Show the next one. Look at this. Whoops. First uh, Peter 2.24. Is that one on there? First Peter 2.24. Don't see it there. Let me read it to you. This is on page 1015 of your church Bible. It 
he committed, speaking of Jesus, says, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. In verse 24, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by His wounds you have been healed. You have been healed. Sounds like a cure, doesn't it? What's the cure for your sin problem? Jesus taking it. The cure is provided by God, not you. It's not works. It's not anything you can do. The cure for your sin is from Christ. The cure for your sin happened right there on the cross where Christ took the punishment you deserved. Do you believe that? Is that real? Is that wishful thinking or is that actual fact? I believe it's actual fact. Let me tell you a story. Pastor Jeremy and I were down in South Upland knocking on doors. The reason we're knocking on doors is because we believe there's actually spiritual blindness. And guess what? We see almost every door we knock on. Total and complete spiritual blindness. We bumped into a guy named Umberto. You remember that? And he wasn't able to talk, so we came back later. And you didn't get to be there when we came back. We spent two hours in his house. And I shared these exact verses with him. Umberto, I found out, grew up in East L.A. It was not the best place, he said, to grow up. He, came, he grew up in a broken home. He joined gangs at a young age. He said he did some things he was ashamed of. He ended up going to jail a couple of times. When we found him, he had already had a couple of kids. He'd been divorced, been in and out of jail twice, and he was only 28 years old. I shared these verses with him. There was no doubt in his mind that he had a sin problem. That was not the issue. What he struggled with was how, how can a guy living 2,000 years ago take my sin? How does that work? He did not get that fact. He's like, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. I've totally destroyed my life. I've wiped it out. I'd love to be forgiven. But how, how does that happen? We just got to share with him that you know what? What Jesus did on the cross was He was the perfect Lamb of God. And what He did was actually take the punishment for sin. It wasn't some magic deal where, yeah, yeah, you sinned. You, were, you, you blew it in your marriage. You blew it with your kids. You went to jail for doing crime. Jesus didn't somehow magically become the criminal that you were. No. What He did was He took the punishment once and for all, holy God poured out His wrath on Him at the cross. So now, Umberto, there's no more wrath left for you. You have the opportunity to receive the grace of God. And God will treat you as a forgiven person, as clean. Just like when you paid your debt in jail and He let you out, that's what God does for you. There's no more punishment. And I got to see Umberto give his life to Christ. I tell you what, he was so excited to be forgiven, to have a clean heart, that he went immediately and shared Christ with his girlfriend. She received Christ. 
He started coming to church. He started sharing the Gospel with others and his family and his kids. It was contagious. You know, what we're talking about here is something real. Look, this is absolute reality. I know it from God's Word and I've seen it happen. Here's reality. The whole world over here is blind, walking in darkness. They don't even know heaven is right around the corner. They have no idea. We have a solution that is absolutely real that will change you from the inside out. Will it attack that heart problem that spews out filth and will change it? That's, that's reality. Okay. Now, by the way, just real quick, and then I'm going to move on. Yes, this is a change of heart. Let's go to Ezekiel 36.26. I want you to see, God, what He does is heart surgery. God is a heart surgeon. Look what God says. I'm going to give you a new heart. Anybody in here ever had some type of transplant? I have a friend, a good friend, who had a kidney transplant. Both of his kidneys were shot. And he, the day he got the news that there was someone going to give him a kidney, he was so excited. And he went and he got that kidney and it's still functioning today. See what God's going to do? Offers to do for you? Give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. But there's a price to pay. Do you see it there? He's going to remove the old one. By the way, that's a heart of stone. That old heart you have is cold, dead, lifeless. There's no fire at all. That's a chunk of rock inside you that is dragging you down. has no spiritual vitality at all. God wants to remove that heart. And give you a heart of flesh. A growing, vibrant, living heart. That's what God wants to do. A couple other scriptures say it this way. What does God want to do to you? Jesus calls it being born again. He answered Nicodemus and said, Hey, truly, truly, I say to you, this is the fact. This is reality. Spiritual reality. Unless one is born again, born from above, born spiritually... He can't see the kingdom of God. Or Titus 3.5. Apostle Paul writes, He saved us. God saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. By what? Do you see it there? By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Here's what happens. When God's solution comes your way, He operates on you. He will cut out that old, dead, selfish heart and give you a new one. I saw this vividly illustrated in the life of another friend of mine who came to Christ, get this, at 92 years old. 92. He gave his life to Christ. He and I would just sit through, and we still do. We meet on Saturdays. We, get, we just go through the Scripture and learn and enjoy the Bible together. 
And oftentimes he'll break down and tears will come down. And he'll say this, Jim, I don't know what's wrong with me. He says, ever since I became a Christian, I have such a soft heart. And I, it just delights my soul. For 92 years, he had a heart of stone. Can you imagine? And then he received Christ. He got a new heart. He told me that when his wife died, he was married for over 50 years. When his wife died, he never even cried. It was reality. I mean, yeah, he loved his wife, but she was gone. I can't relate to that, but anyway, that was life for him. When he came to Christ, he got a new heart. Do you know what I'm saying? Have you ever gotten a new heart? It's a new heart, isn't it? Is it? This is real. This isn't fake stuff. You know what? The world needs this. The world is lost. It needs God's solution. But here's the astonishing thing. We get to play a part in this wonderful drama. We get to play a part. Have you ever sat there when someone was receiving Christ, being born again right in front of your eyes? Some of you are nodding. Saying yes. You know what? If you haven't, you need to pray about that. And I'm not saying it because because of a guilt trip or it's something you have to do. You don't have to do that. But it will light you on fire. Because you will see something that God's working that will just blow your mind. Because when for me, when I was watching Zena pray with that Russian guy, I knew it had nothing to do with me. I was an observer right there. And that was a miracle of God's grace to actually see someone born spiritually, to be a, an observer in the operating room when God is coming down with the Spirit and cutting out that old heart and putting that life in there, breathing life through His Spirit into that person. That is a real deal. That will change your life. Okay, so what is the part that we play? What is the part? Number one, start with yourself. Start with yourself. Ask yourself, is there any spiritual blindness in me? Do I get it? Really get it? You know, every Sunday when you come here and you learn a new spiritual truth, ask yourself, do I get that? Ruminate on that. Chew on that. Do I get that? Today, for example, you learn these spiritual truths. Your own heart is the source of spiritual pollution. That is the issue for you. Have you begun there? Have you begun with that heart issue? What do you do with that? Well, God says you must believe. Believe. That's the issue. Notice what the Lord said in John. We'll read a, a couple passages here. You've got to be familiar with this one. For God so loved the world 
that He gave His only Son. How did He give Him? On the cross, huh? He gave Him on the cross. That whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Is that is it that easy? To If I believe in Him, do I get eternal life? Apparently so. That's what it says. But how about this next one? Now this came from John chapter 12. Jesus said this the day before His death. Notice what it says. Jesus cried out. He cried out and said, Whoever believes in Me believes not in Me, but in Him who sent Me. And whoever sees Me sees Him who sent Me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in Me may not remain in darkness. Now, He was not talking about physical darkness. He's talking about spiritual darkness. He's talking about the spiritual blindness. What is the cure for spiritual blindness? It's believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. That's it. Believe in Him. I got a great illustration of this a couple weeks ago when a friend of mine was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. Some of you know those stage that words those words stage four is like really bad. And she is a believer. She knew Christ, loved Christ, served Christ. I went to visit her in the hospital, and here's what she said as I was holding her hands. She said, Pastor Jim, I thought I only had diarrhea. But it was cancer! And it was killing me! She had been completely oblivious to the fact that cancer was growing in her, sapping her life away. Is that not true what sin does to people? All these people you just saw who had no clue about what heaven was or how to get there. They've got a cancer of the soul in them that's killing them. Killing them forever, spiritually. And they don't even know it yet. Okay, here's how my friend found out about her cancer. She went to the doctor who did some tests. The doctor came to her and said, you have stage 4 cancer. We need to operate right away. She was not a doctor. She believed what the doctor said. And you know what she said? I asked her, I said, what are you going to do? She said, operate right away. Imagine that. Is that what you'd do? That's what I'd do. Do you know why she did that? She believed what the doctor said. (laughs) I mean, this isn't hard, right? Doctor said, stage four cancer. I believe you, doctor. Operate right away. This is what you do. If you believe what God says about you, you have a heart that's desperately wicked. It's spewing spiritual pollution everywhere. Government can't change it. Your job can't change it. Your wife can't change it. Having a great car can't change it. 
Only one thing can change it. That's me doing spiritual surgery on you right away. Do you believe? Your belief is the consent. You're signing the consent form saying, yes, God, do it right away. Remove the old heart. Give me the new one. If you believe God, that's what you do. Of course you do it. You do it immediately. Do you do that? Are you willing to do that? Do business with God? Absolutely. Okay. Now, if you've done that, has anybody done that, by the way? <laughs> yeah. Amen. Okay. You know what? You still have a part to play. And I'm going to skip Acts 1 go to Romans 10. Look at this. Look at this part to play. This is exciting. Paul says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? Hang on right there for a moment. Obviously, everyone who believes and calls out to Christ will be saved, right? God's the surgeon. He's saying, okay, sign this consent form. Will you sign it? If so, I'm going to do the surgery. You say, yes, I need that. I want that surgery. Is God going to say, I'm sorry, you're on your own now. Is God going to say that? Of course not. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? You call out to Him, Lord, save me! He's going to save you. But what Paul goes on to say is, look, How can they call on Him in whom they've not believed and how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? Is it possible there's anybody in the planet that's never heard of Jesus Christ? How likely? That's like we know for a fact that's the case, right? Okay, now you know why I'm a pastor of outreach. Now you know I went from the old job to this job. I get it. Not only do I get it from here, I have seen it in action. There's people that if you'll just sit down and explain to them, here's the truth, here's the reality. Your heart is spewing. And they'll go, okay. The solution is, Christ came to take all your punishment on Himself. You need to place your faith and trust in Him. You need to call out to Him. And you know what they're going you know what happens? They get saved. That's amazing to me. I didn't learn this in college. I went to college, they didn't teach me this. This is the most amazing truth there is. This is like, this is incredible. People get born again, they get new life forever, rescued forever just because You told them the truth. You told them the spiritual truth. How can they hear without someone preaching? By the way, that word preaching, it doesn't mean like we mean it. A preacher like from here. It means announcing. How are they to hear without someone announcing? Without someone proclaiming? Without someone hanging a door hanger? Without someone welcoming you at the door? How are they going to hear without someone announcing to them? One more verse. And how are they to preach, announce, communicate, unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So, 
Here's how it's worked out in my life. And most of my family is here today. And we have two grandchildren on the way. We are, by God's grace, praying about going to South America as missionaries. And that feels like kind of a crazy thing to do. I'm 55 years old. Why would I, 55 years old, become a missionary to South America? Well, I can guarantee you one thing. It's not because I think I'm anything special. Not at all. It's because I believe with all my heart that there's tons of people. They just need to hear about Jesus. That's it. They need it. I tell you what, I love my kids. I love them to death. And I love my grandkids. It's going to break our heart to to go to South America and not get to see them. But you know what? we got all of heaven, all of eternity to enjoy our loved ones, don't we? But if these people don't hear about Jesus, what are they going to do? Who is going to tell them? Has God like got someone else on the bench? Okay, Christian church, if you don't go tell them, I've got plan B over here. Does he have that? I just don't find it in here. It's, it's like we're it. That's amazing, huh? Because we're pitiful. But you know what? We don't have to be superstars to tell people about Jesus. All we got to do is just start talking. So, I believe this stuff with all my heart. This world is so lost. And there's a cure. An awesome cure. And if we will just but communicate to them, by the thousands, they will come to Christ. So, would you pray for us and my family? Remember us, we've got a long journey ahead as we gear up to go. But by God's grace, we'll just keep our shoulder to the plow. And I pray you'll do the same. Let me pray for you then as we close.